Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Thursday, September 10th, 2015. As always, broadcasting from the Beantown Athletic Studio in Dorchester, Massachusetts. And it is a Violent Gentleman Thursday. Go to violentgentleman.com right now to order some of the hottest t-shirts, hoodies, hats, and accessories on the sports scene. From the ice to the octagon, from the ring to the field, Violent Gentleman honors the fight, the art, the opponent. And the sport, ViolentGentleman.com. Today's guest, presented by Violent Gentleman, is former New England Patriots linebacker Matt Chatham, three-time Super Bowl champion Matt Chatham. Check out his website, FootballByFootball.com. Football insight by football players. Also, check out the Football by Football podcast on their website or at BlogTalkRadio.com. So I talked with Matt Chatham over the phone this morning. Uh, I will play that conversation for you in just a few minutes. But first, I got to open up because, you know, we got a big game tonight. NFL, the regular season, begins tonight at Gillette Stadium. Tom Brady will be on the field. The Patriots host the Pittsburgh Steelers. And before the game, a banner will be raised. The championship banner will be raised. And if you're wondering about the spread tonight, It is still at 7. Some people have tried to tell me today that it's at 8, but where I go to get the spreads, the Patriots are 7-point favorite going into this game tonight. The over-under, 52.5. There is rain, and a lot of it from what I'm seeing in the forecast, so keep that in mind. I'll give my official pick for this game tonight before I wrap up this podcast. Uh, I'll also give you my what I think the Patriots are going to do in the AFC East um, in this division. And what their record is going to be this season, I'll give that to you before I wrap things up here today. I just want to open first with reacting to what I watched last night. And what I watched last night was the New England Patriots feature on NFL Network. It was called Do Your Job, Bill Belichick and the 2014 New England Patriots. And... It basically was a look into the entire season while they talked with all of the coaches for the New England Patriots. Bill Belichick. They talked to Josh McDaniels, Matt Patricia, every, every coach, the cornerbacks coach, running backs coach, tight ends coach, lineman coach, you name it. They talked to the coaches. They gave the insight. We, they talked to Ernie Adams. Now, I watched this. I love Ernie Adams after I see this, but I still don't know what the guy does. I asked Matt Chatham to give me an Ernie Adams story uh, when I talked to him over the phone this morning. Again, you'll hear that conversation in just a few minutes. His answer was interesting, given the fact that Matt Chatham, you know, was on these Super Bowl teams, a three-time Super Bowl champ. He was not on last year's, obviously, but uh, the three previous ones, he was part of those teams. And I also, because of that, I asked Matt Chatham about all this Spygate stuff that has come out, you know, ESPN, Sports Illustrated, those columns that we've talked about on this podcast the last couple days. Basically, the NFL running a smear campaign, uh, leaking things to these outlets and basically telling them, hey, we got to get this story out. There's some information on Spygate uh, that, that is not out there yet. And... There's some stuff about a league-wide suspicion that the Patriots are always trying to cheat by spying on them. If you are out there today and you want to take the word cheater and use it to describe the New England Patriots, whether it was in 2001 or even last year in 2014, 
If you want to use the word cheated to describe the Patriots, what you need to do is you need to watch this feature last night that was on the NFL Network. Do your job. Bill Belichick and the 2014 New England Patriots. Because what this feature shows is that you need to... You win championships in this league. You win games in this league through execution, but also through preparation, okay? And a combination of both of those things. And what you learn from this coaching staff and the things that they say and the things that they talk about and the way they reacted to certain situations during the season, it's remarkable to see how much goes into it more than what you'll read, different stuff than what you'll read in that Sports Illustrated feature, in that ESPN outside-the-line story going back to Spygate, and anything that you heard about Deflategate over the last seven months, which is just a bunch of garbage and a bunch of bullshit, right? You need to watch this feature if you use the word cheated to describe the New England Patriots. Uh, The way I've always felt about that stuff, the gamesmanship, the suspicion, the paranoia, the Spygate recording signals... Whatever it may be, the way I've always looked at it is, and Bill Belichick even said it back in his press conference in January when he gave his Deflategate uh, results. You know, his he, he ran basically a, a, his own experiment with the footballs and how they prepare the footballs before the game. He did this a week before the Super Bowl, which you should not have to do, but he did. And during that press conference in which he gave his result, he said, look, when he was asked about Spygate. He says, look. When we're recording those signals, when we were, 80,000 people can see that guy giving the signals. And it's also something that a lot of people were doing, that everybody was doing. So I've always looked at it that way. You know, this is a competitive win-at-all-cost environment, professional environment, and everybody, every team, every coach is out there trying to get an edge. All right? And the stories that have been out there the last couple days a complete bullshit. Deflategate was nothing but bullshit for seven months. And it's great to finally talk about, to, to actually see last night the analysis of the Super Bowl game, and not just the game, the fourth quarter. And you know what? Not even that. Going back to the Baltimore game. Going back to the Indy game. Heck, going back to the Kansas City game in week four, that debacle on Monday Night Football in which the Patriots got their ass kicked. Belichick's talking about that game. He says, you know, I went into halftime and it wasn't even about making halftime adjustments. It wasn't about X's and O's. I just needed to see how they were going to react to this. And Belichick says, even though they lost that game, right, and it got worse as the game went on, he saw saw a fight in his players that he knew with that fight, even though, you know, the result didn't go their way and they made mistakes. He said the fight that they showed told him, that this was a group that was going to be able to turn it around. And that's why he went into that, on to Cincinnati, on to Cincinnati, right? So many people, and, and they had all these things, they were reading these clips, they had the coaches on the show last night reading off things that were said from very high-profile websites, news outlets, uh, from very big-name reporters, analysts, experts. Look, if you've listened to me, if you listened to me a year ago, whether it was a podcast or on WEI, I told you, I was very adamant. Going into that Cincinnati game in Week 5, in which the Patriots got crushed against the the Kansas City Chiefs on Monday Night Football, going into the game against the Bengals the next week at Gillette Stadium, coming home Sunday Night Football, I told you, I believe I did the pregame show leading up to that. We even played audio 
on, on EEI, on my show, in which Chris Mortensen was reporting, you know, the day of the game, he was saying, well, sources tell me, you know, Tom Brady is not happy with the way things are going down in New England. And my response to that was, no shit. What type of fucking report is that? Honestly, what, because a quarterback just gets his ass kicked on Monday Night Football and he's okay, he's going to be okay with that? Like, why is that a report? And throughout all this Chris Mortensen stuff, how we had the first report about the Flategate, which turns out to be false, and he never takes the tweet down, or he did finally after a long, long time, and he's, but he still sticks to his guns about that story. It's, forget about that story. How about the story that he had the day of the Bengals game? A 2-2 two and two Patriots team that got their ass kicked on Monday Night Football. Chris Mortensen is standing up there on NFL Game Day Live or whatever fucking show they got on ESPN. And he says, well, I got I to report. Breaking news. Right? He's standing up there next to Adam Schefter and Chris Mortensen goes, breaking news. Uh, sources tell me that Tom Brady is unhappy with the way things are going on in New England. No shit. What type of report is that? But I sat there going into that game against the Bengals, and I said, people keep telling me that the Patriots are down and out, that this thing can't be fixed. Or they keep saying, yeah, after watching the first four games, these aren't the Patriots that I know. That's what they try to tell me, that these aren't the Patriots we know after watching the first four games, after getting their asses kicked by Kansas City on Monday Night Football. And when I said then, and I'll continue to refresh your memory now, because even though... You know, you, you heard a lot of experts and big-name people who have a lot of power behind the mic and get the full-time jobs, and, and, and they're the ones getting all the special gigs, and everybody's listening to them, right? All these people try to tell you that the Patriots are in trouble. And all I try to tell you was, they have an issue in the offensive line, okay? And if they can fix that issue in the offensive line, the Patriots are going to be okay. And you can fix the offensive line. That's a fixable issue. Out of all the issues... For a professional football team to have, fixing the offensive line with the personnel that you have is, is, has got to be one of the more fixable issues that, that, that you have. So that can be fixed. And when that is fixed, the Patriots will be okay. But going, in against that, uh, going into Cincinnati, excuse me, going into that game against Cincinnati at Gillette in week, you know, after that Monday night debacle on Sunday night football, everybody's saying to me, these aren't the Patriots that we know. And what I said was, no, 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 no. The Patriots that I know are the team that responds to that ass-kicking in Kansas City and beats the shit out of the Cincinnati Bengals. A Bengals team, by the way, that, you know, people going into the season were saying, oh, the power rankings, right? Remember, remember when the Bengals for like, the Bengals for the last five years have been like this sexy pick because everybody wants to look like a genius and they want to say, oh, pick the Bengals. You know what I mean? They weren't, you know, they, it's, they, want to, they want to be the person that picks the Bengals to have their year because they're due or something. And I've always looked at it and said, that's bullshit. If you're going to have a preseason power ranking, all right, and you're going to put the Bengals ahead of the Patriots, whether, even, if, even if it's just by one spot, then what you're telling me is, if you suit up the Bengals and you suit up the Patriots and you have them play in a game right now, you tell me the Bengals are going to win that game. By putting them ahead of the Patriots, even by one spot in your preseason power rankings, you're telling me if those two teams went up against each other right now, the Bengals would, would win that game. And I would tell you a million times over, even going into last season, that 
going into this season, please. I mean, you'd never be able to get me to put money on Cincinnati to beat the Patriots. Come on. So, that to me was a little laughable that people were already throwing in the towel on the Pats after that Week 4 game. But a lot of people did. But I told you the Patriots that I know are the team that's going to return to that game and respond from that ass-kicking in in Kansas City. And they're going to beat the shit out of Cincinnati at home on, on national TV. And you know what? The Patriots did. That's how they responded. And you get the experts now. Then all of a sudden they were like, oh, the Patriots are back. Well, you know, these are the people that you got to listen to all the time. Um, you know, we're, and we're here trying to change that for you. But regardless, you know, that they go back to that game last night and the way Belichick handled it, I thought was, was a way you wouldn't see many coaches handle that. It just goes into how special a coach he is and his coaching staff. And, you know, it's, everybody just says, well, Belichick's good because he cheats. I mean, come on. you got to watch this feature. See how it goes down. Get into the mind of Bill Belichick. And I'm so glad he was – I'm so glad he opened up like this because he doesn't really. But I, I'm so glad he did. I hope he continues to. Maybe not, not right away. But if they can have another successful season, go back and go into some of this stuff again because the way they talk about how they called, you know, all those ineligible receiver plays, those two ineligible receiver plays against Baltimore in the divisional round, right? They called it Baltimore, and then they called the next one Raven. I mean, he explained it to you. He explained why they thought they could get away with that, and they did. And then they explained, again, they they took it from Alabama. They also saw it with Alabama. Alabama did it, right? I thought it was great stuff. And then the whole Nate Solda play, that touchdown, you know, the Julian Edelman double pass, right, in that Baltimore game, the way they came back in that one, the way they then smashed on the Colts in the AFC Championship, you know, kind of the way they had to handle the whole Deflategate stuff. Um, but, you know, you I'm watching this last night, and I'm going, the, you know, I'm watching the breakdown of the Super Bowl. And really the breakdown of the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl. Where the Patriots are trailing 24-14 to 14 in the fourth quarter. Right? 24-14. to 14, They're trailing by 10. And they then sc- they get the touchdown to Amendola. And then they get the pass to Edelman, which was supposed to, which was right before the Amendola touchdown, and it didn't work. But Brady scores a touchdown, they get it to Amendola, they cut the lead to three, he goes back to the sideline, and he says to Josh McDaniels on the bench, he says, hey, he goes, let's use that again. That didn't work. You know, I overthrew Edelman on the outside. Let's let's run that play again. And uh, they ran it again, and it worked. And it gave the Patriots a 28-24 lead. And at that point in time, you're looking at it going, this is possibly the best fourth quarter in Super Bowl history, right? And especially when you look back at it. And then you get that final possession, Seattle, the curse catch, and what was going through the minds of everyone in that Patriots organization and that coaching staff. And then you get the Marshawn Lynch run, which, by the way, they go back to. They give you the aerial view, right, from the sideline of the coach's box of what that looked like and how big a hole Marshawn Lynch had in which if Hightower doesn't make that tackle, again, we talk about the Malcolm Butler thing. Not only did Malcolm Butler have to make that play, he had to catch the ball. He couldn't just knock it down. He had to catch the ball. And 
but before that, before he even gets that opportunity to do that and be the hero, you need a big play and stop Marshawn Lynch from getting into the end zone. And from the view that the coaches had from up top, there was a huge hole there. But Dante Hightower, what a play, what a tackle. Um, I, I think a play that gets overlooked, right? A play that gets overlooked. And then they go into the practice that Malcolm Butler got beat on that, on, on that final play in practice because he tried to go underneath the screen. Instead, he needed to put his foot in and go as Browner came up with the nice little jam and, and, and Malcolm Butler just jumped the route over the top and he learned from his mistakes. Execution, but not just learning from his mistakes, jumping the route and making a play. Learning from his mistakes, jumping the route, making the play, but also making the fucking catch. You got to make the catch there. You don't make that catch, you probably still lose the Super Bowl. Right? You got to make the catch. He made the catch. And and it it just everything that you watch in this feature last night, I'm thinking to myself, finally. It feels great to actually break down the Super Bowl win. We're finally doing this now after 7 months. We're doing it now, and the season begins on Thursday night. The title defense begins on Thursday night. We're just doing this shit now. Um, it's been a frustrating seven months. And tonight, on national TV, the Patriots begin their title defense. They'll raise the banner. Brady will be on the field, and he'll be playing. And it's week one. The Pats host the Steelers, and the Patriots are a seven-point favorite. And, uh, it, it you know, I, I, I watched that last night, and I almost want a little bit more time to embrace, to embrace the stuff that happened in that fourth quarter of that Super Bowl. Right? Is that the greatest fourth quarter of all time? Honestly, I, I almost need more time to embrace that. I almost wish we had more time to dissect that. More, I wish more shows, more analysts would dissect it. But what's reality is that we, you know, we don't have more time, and it's probably best that we don't because the time that we would have, you know that they wouldn't spend that time on analyzing that game. They would spend their time trying to bring down the Patriots, going back to Spygate, talking more about the Flake Gate. We wouldn't spend time on that. It's good to spend some time on it last night, okay? Get you jacked up. The regular season begins tonight. But last night just goes to show. You, it's, it's, you, know, you need to execute. You need to prepare and you need to execute. You know who else? You know who else agrees with that? Which, which is somewhat surprising today when I wake up and I see the story. You know how else, who else agrees with that? Richard Sherman. Lots of the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Seattle Seahawks cornerback. Very outspoken guy, has strong opinions, and I don't always agree with him, but he is sticking up for Tom Brady. Here's what Richard Sherman had to say. Says, quote, everybody does their things a little differently, but at the end of the day, it's handled between the lines, and if they man up and they beat you straight up, they beat you straight up. You can say they knew your plays or they watched this or they watched that. But a lot of times, if you watch film good enough, you find good indicators. You find things. So if you're studying the game the right way, you go out there understanding what plays are coming. And you know when the plays are coming. But can you execute? Can 11 guys stop the other 11 from executing their play? At the end of the day, that's what it's about. You can say you stole scripts or whatever it is. But they still have to win the game. They still have to intercept the ball. They still have to execute. 11 guys have to execute at the same time. And that's what they did. So give them credit. 
if there's hacky-packy going on, they've gotten away with it. Like they say, if you didn't get caught, then it wasn't cheating. Um, but, uh, you know, Richard Sherman, he goes, he, he's sticking up for the Patriots. Saying, look, everyone's talking about Spygate this, Spygate that, deflate of balls. You got to go out and execute. You got to prepare, but then you got to execute. And if you prepare well enough, you probably know what's coming when you see a certain thing going on on the other side. But just because you know what's coming doesn't mean you're going to be handed a championship. You know, like Willie McGinnis said. And if they had all the answers to the test, they would not never lost the game. <laughs> right? So, it's... But at the same time, I agree with Sherman. You know, you do all this preparation... You know, the goal in football is to sort of try and figure out what's coming at you, right? And if you know what's coming at you, great. But you got to execute. After the preparation comes the execution. And what you see last night watching this film, watching this feature, is that the Patriots, for the last 15 years, have been better than everybody else in the league at both preparing and also at executing. And I think that was the ultimate message last night. And do your job. Bill Belichick and the 2014 New England Patriots. And tonight, the Patriots begin a new chapter as they host the Pittsburgh Steelers. And uh, Matt Chatham joined me over the phone this morning. I'm going to play that conversation for you right now. And when I come back, stick around because I'm going to give my official prediction for tonight's game. But also my prediction for the Patriots this season with regards to what their record's going to be and what they're going to do in the division. Tomorrow's show on Friday, my full season predictions. Uh, I, I tell you what, it's not going to change based on what I see tonight. In fact, I already have them done. I'm just not going to reveal them till tomorrow because tomorrow's the big Friday before the first Sunday in the National Football League. And every Friday I give you picks, picks, which is five games with the spread. Uh, throughout the league, never is the Thursday night game, so that's why I'm saving that stuff really until tomorrow's podcast. But stick around after. I'll give you that stuff. And uh, a couple other stories just to mention real quick before I wrap up the show that are football-related. This is a strictly football show today because the regular season begins tonight. I'm jacked up about it. Matt Chatham is jacked up about it as well. He joined me over the phone today, presented by Violent Gentleman. Go to violentgentleman.com right now to order some of the hottest t-shirts, hoodies, hats, and accessories on the sports scene. From the ice to the octagon, from the ring to the field, Violent Gentleman honors the fight, the art, the opponent, and the sport. Violentgentleman.com. Here's my conversation with Matt Chatham. Enjoy and stick around afterwards. All right, joining me over the phone today is former New England Patriots linebacker and three-time Super Bowl champion Matt Chatham. You can check out his website, footballbyfootball.com. Football Insight by Football Players. Also check out the Football by Football podcast on their website or at blogtalkradio.com. Uh, Matt, good morning. How you doing today? Morning, Danny. I'm great. It's, uh, it's game day. It Ready is. And, and you know what? I, last night I watched this Belichick Patriots feature on the NFL Network, and it, uh, it's great to finally analyze the actual on-field stuff for the Patriots, isn't it? Yeah, and isn't it funny that you know you mentioned that it you know that piece on the NFL Network was amazing. How how weird are you? We're in this sort of ancestral kind of thing where 
we hate the person we're promoting. <laughs> feel like I don't know. I just it's so confusing. Like one minute we're bashing the Patriots, the next minute we're really helping to sort of promote how great things are, sort of buying closed doors there. And yeah, in the midst of all that, uh, this up and down sort of roller coaster thing goes on, and then yeah, there's a game to be played, <laughs> and that's what today's all about. It's 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 very confusing. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I mean we've spent the last seven plus months talking about air pressure in footballs and it goes into court and we're talking suspensions and now we got smear campaigns but I mean I'm watching this thing last night and like you said it's amazing and, and you got to take a step back and say well wait we're just getting to this now like we're like we're just <laughs> analyzing the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl which is probably the greatest right. fourth quarter for a quarterback in Super Bowl history and the greatest play to finish the Super Bowl like we're just getting to that now Matt yeah, it's weird. I mean, it's you know, to use Roger Goodell's rationalization the other day on uh, on on Mike and Mike. I mean, he's been busy. It's been busy. I mean, you know, there's been a lot going on. So yeah, why not get to that eight months later? No, I mean, it, it was an amazing production. It was really cool. I mean, you get to see so much insight and and what really actually affects games, not this goofy conversation about balls that weren't deflated that were supposed to deflate and all that. But I, I mean, I think that's what it's really all about, and I, I think that's why the NFL has been so so idiotic throughout all this where you know you can go back to Spygate, you can go back to even this Deflategate nonsense or Bountygate. I think if you're an average fan sort of walking the street relying upon the NFL and some of its media partners to, to tell you what the game's all about, you're going to be under the impression that there's these huge things that are affecting games that are completely irrelevant. But the production last night shows you all the little intricacies and all the things that are actually going into people's minds that are playing it. Mm. And it's these things about, you know, bounties and, and, and ball pressure and, and all this other goofy stuff that has nothing, nothing whatsoever to do with what's actually going on out there. So it, it's really unfortunate. I mean, I think if anything, and you're a fan today, you have every right to be confused. Yeah, and, and you know, if you're out there using the word cheating when it comes to the Patriots and their coaching staff and Bill Belichick and his career with the Patriots and all the wins that he's had and the championships that he's won that obviously you've been a part of, Matt, if you're out there, if people are out there using the word cheating, they need to watch this feature, right? I mean, as a player on those teams that won championships, do you, you must stress to people, okay, watch how this goes down. Watch how these, this coaching staff talks about what they do and how they prepare and how that preparation leads to execution. None of this, you know, this bullshit that we keep talking about with Spygate and, and, and other teams being paranoid about the Patriots. I mean, your message as a player would be to people using the word cheating, watch this feature last night in the NFL Network because you'll, you'll get a glimpse into the minds of the Patriots coaching staff. Yeah, I mean, it's been such an incredible frustration for me, Danny, because in part, you know, working in media now, and, I, you know, Teddy Bruschi, old teammate, does an excellent job with this as well. Willie has the same issue. Willie McGinnis has the same issues where, you know, we're trying to cross over and trying to give insight to how it actually works. And when, you you know, these off, complete nonsense things are brought up and dominate 99% of the conversation, you can't get through to fans about what it's really like, what really matters, what's actually happening. And I, I think it's incredible frustrating. You have players, you have guys who know exactly what it is, who can offer insight about exactly what it is. And it's, you're talking about things that don't matter. Like, in, you know, if you just quiet for a second and realize, here's, here it is. I mean, we're, we're more than willing to share. We're more than willing to explain what works, what happens, get to, get to show you behind the red curtain. 
but then, you know, it's just these conversations about espionage and goofy stuff and just poorly branded things. Spygate. Spy. There's a spy. He's standing right there. <laughs> you can see him with your own eyes, your own binoculars. Write down every single thing he does with a pad of paper. The fact that it's recorded, whatever. So is your kid's birthday party. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's, and that's the frustration we all have. We, we'd love to share with you what's going on if you're obsessed with something that isn't because you saw it on a tv program we we can't help you and all the things that that then came out and even the sports illustrated article which was you know how teams were paranoid playing the patriots and and they think you know some of the stuff's just ridiculous talking about this when you go to gillette you know the sports drinks are warm or they're late <laughs> so i mean i mean i never realized you know how many guys were complaining the and the nfl about something so stupid but but at the end of it seemed every paragraph that they talk to these anonymous sources, they would say, well, did you actually find evidence of this stuff happening? they say, well, no, we had no evidence, but we think it was going to happen or we thought it was happening. So, Matt, you obviously think this stuff is ridiculous as much as I do and as much as most people here in New England do, and really anybody with a brain thinks it's ridiculous. But how personal, I mean, how personal are you taking this? Because you mentioned Brewski, you mentioned McGinnis, and it sounds to me like they've taken this very personally, and I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of a guy who was on those championship teams like yourself? I mean, you have you taken this stuff as personally as it seems those guys have? Well, uh, the other day at WEI, uh, uh, Brew talked about this a little bit, uh, where he's like, there was stages that you go through, and, and I'd put myself right there. There's that, you know, fight back against it, try to convince people, you know, try to enlighten them and actually educate them to what really happened, what's really going on, what's real in these stories you hear and what's completely improbable, implausible. So I, we don't have to have opinions on these things. We know the answers. We could tell you we were there. You know, that kind of deal. So there are stages you go through. There's that early stage where you just have to, you want to fight back. And then I think there's just fatigue. And I think a lot of us feel that now where people would rather believe some story. You know, they would rather believe that there's espionage going on. Yeah. And I mean, just simple facts. I mean, just a couple of easy examples. One of these stories is about a Patriots, uh, you know, not a lowly paid or lowly whatever Patriots person uh, sneaking into the other team's locker room. This is one of those so tremendously easily fact-checkable things that, you know, the lie travels around the world a hundred times before the truth would even sort of get in its way. You just walk in front of the visitor's locker room of any, or, or of any team in football, and there's security personnel of the team standing right there. You can't even get in the door. Mm-hmm. I mean, so the, the, this notion that uh, someone from the other team could walk in and rummage through the stuff, I mean, what is their team security doing if, A, that were true, and B, it's not? But see, how, in, how ludicrous is that that you would float that idea with no proof when just the idea of it is silly? I'll walk to the stadium today. I'll take some cell phone pictures of what it looks like right in front of the visitor's locker room. You would literally have to walk up to their staff and say, hey, I'm going to go rummage through the locker room. Like, please let me through. <laughs> I mean, how, how, how idiotic is that? But it, it's too dumb and so easy to check. But there's people that have no problem floating that idea. It's just that that's the frustrating part. We can do this with Deflategate, too. I'll, I'll be quick, but Deflategate's the exact same thing. I mean, I think there are a lot of people walking the earth right now that think that Jim McNally grabbed some balls and snuck through some dirty, dark hallway and jumped into a hidden bathroom, locked himself in. This is, this is Mass Pike. This is the main drag right through the NFL stadium uh, at, at Foxborough. 
there's a hundred people in that hallway. Uh, the bathroom is right there and used by, you know, dozens of staff. I, I pee there during the games when I'm doing the broadcast. The idea, A, the dude never snuck away. There's, there's pieces of testimony buried in the Wells report that tells you testimony from all the security people who are there, some were NFL, not even Patriots related. But no, Jim McNally is never escorted by the officials. He walks down that hallway right through all the people with the balls every week, and he's done it for the last X amount of years. Uh, but, you know, again, the truth isn't fun. The truth isn't dark and, and seedy. So, you know, I, I guess the, the idea of it, it always has more legs. And that, that, that again, that is very frustrating as, as a player. I just have one more question about something that, that I saw last night in this film. You know, before I get to the actual game tonight and the football this season, before I let you go, you know, I, I have to ask you about Ernie Adams. Because, <laughs> yeah. you know, we see this film last night, and to be honest, I'm not exactly sure what Ernie Adams does still to this moment, but I love it. I, I love everything, everything that he was doing in there, even though I didn't really know what he was doing. Can you tell me anything about him? Like, do you have a story that, you know, for the people that feel like myself who watch it and still come away thinking, all right, we love Ernie Adams, but we're not really sure what he's doing. Do you have anything for us on that front? I, Danny, I, you could ask that question of me or any number of hundreds of former Patriots that have come to that building in the last 15 years. And you're not going to get much, not because they're not giving you much, but because they don't know much. <laughs> I don't know much. I, it's, Ernie's there. Ernie's a guy that I'll you know, give a little tip of the cap or a little quick hello to. I can't say I've had maybe five conversations with him in my life. Uh, my understanding is everyone's is that there was always a long-term relationship there with he and Bill dating back to college or something like that. Uh, my understanding from ever is that Ernie Adams is, is in – uh, almost a Rain Man kind of uh, researcher, like he just his his grasp of the rule book and of NFL history and of I think statistics and sort of advanced scouting and things like that is is otherworldly. We all know that antidote, but what he specifically does, like on a day to day, I don't really know. Uh, I mean, obviously he's very very good at whatever it is because Bill keeps him there and Bill doesn't keep people around him that don't sort of help move the ball forward and accomplish their goals. So uh, he has a tremendous amount of faith in him. Obviously, no one in, that would last that long in the building, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't be in that kind of situation. So, but no, to just simply say, hey, that, this one night Ernie and I had drinks and I learned all this, or that one night we sat down and broke down such and such game together, I don't think there's a player that's come through those, those walls that would have that to share with you. So He's, uh, he's an interesting guy, but uh, I can't say I, I honestly know that much about him other than he's, he's definitely a part of the solution. Speaking with Matt Chatham, former Patriots linebacker, three-time Super Bowl champion. He joins me on the phone right now, and we have regular season football beginning tonight. Steelers at Gillette Stadium uh, to face the Patriots. Tom Brady on the field because he's won this whole deflategate battle, this foolish deflategate battle. But when you get to the actual X's and O's and on-the-field stuff with this Patriots team, Matt, you know, there are concerns. You lose Revis, you lose Browner, you now have to put the, your center, Brian Stork, on, on short-term injured reserve, you know, you're without LaFell. You, you have some injuries here, and you lost some guys, and you got some young kids on the defensive end. Give me your biggest concern heading into tonight's game, because as I mentioned, there are some concerns when you just look at the on-field product. Yeah, and I think what makes this game unique, Danny, is that the concerns are universal. Um, this isn't a Patriot-centric unknown kind of deal, and you met, you hit on a lot of the highlights there. 
the, the thing that I think makes this game unique is there's always sort of uncertainty and unknowns when you go into an opening week game. This is a particularly unique one because the Steelers and Patriots both have, you know, a, a notebook full of unknowns, quite frankly. I'm writing about it right now, and we'll put it up here in the next hour or so on footballbyfootball.com. So, we, you know, the, the Patriots' top targets from a year ago, Gronkowski and Edelman, and even Shane Vereen in that Super Bowl, uh, Vereen's not here anymore. Uh, Gronk and Edelman haven't taken a single game rep. What is the team going to be on offense? Who, who the hell knows? I mean, how <laughs> could you know? Yeah. Are they going to hit the ground running? Maybe. Or will there be an adjustment period that might last several weeks? Maybe that, too. Uh, and the offensive line that we're going to see in front of Tom, which is so important because he's a quarterback that needs and likes to step up to drive the ball and, and put those pinpoint passes in there, we have no idea. I go into this several hours now before the game. I don't know the guard-center-guard combination. I have no idea. Uh, most, I guess, plausibly, Ryan Wendell can play center, and then that puts a rookie left and right of him or potentially Josh Klein. Whatever it is, that combination we've not yet seen. So it's a complete unknown. And if you flip over the other side with Pittsburgh, the error I think we often make in in sort of football prognostication is looking at past seasons or past statistics or all that other stuff. How in the world would a a past Pittsburgh performance translate to what we're going to see tonight? I mean, they're completely different. They have a different center. They're all pro center. Marquise Pouncey's not there. Martavius Bryant, who was one of the real kind of cool stories, guy that kind of came out of nowhere and was a super effective guy for them last year, helps take a lot of pressure off Antonio Brown, who had such a huge season. Well, he's suspended. Le'Veon Bell, who was one of the most dynamic backs in all of football, he's not playing. So three of these big sort of centerpieces for the offense of Pittsburgh, which is purportedly very dangerous, they're not even there. So who are they going to be? We don't know. They don't know. So I think that makes it kind of intriguing. And even flipping to the other side of the ball, we, you, you mentioned some of the Patriots' question marks on the defense. Pittsburgh is exactly the same. There's no more Palomalo, no more Ryan Clark, extremely young up, up through the front, uh, and they have a new coordinator. It's no more Dick LeBeau. So uh, nobody knows what's going to happen. I think that makes it fun. But just understand, as a fan, you're sitting out there with some question marks. The teams themselves have question marks. I don't think anyone really knows their identity yet, and really with all four units that are going to be on the field holding the two special teams thing aside, these question marks all over the place, so it's just going to be fun. I mean, we'll, we'll all learn together tonight, I guess. Yeah, and, and I mean, I guess really the biggest concern is is the secondary for the Patriots because, again, the, the names I mentioned, Revis, Brown, uh, last year at this time I was so excited to have them in that secondary, and we both know, we all know what they did for this team defensively. You lose those guys, you even lose Arrington, uh, a guy who Belichick talked about last night, who, who sure, yeah. when things went downhill for him, he would – uh, he, he would, you know, not be able to perform as best as he could. But, you know, at times he was able to cover T.Y. Hilton and shut him down. You know, he stepped up in big moments. You lose him too. We keep hearing about this. I keep hearing about this front seven, Matt. And, and, and you with your experience, I'll, I'll ask you, I mean, out of this front seven and, and how that could make things easier for the secondary, who's the one guy? I mean, is that theory real? One and two, if it is, who is there one guy you're looking at in the front seven that says, this guy, he needs to be better than everybody else for that actually to work? Uh, you know, I actually look at the secondary a little different. I, I, they're very, um, you're inexperienced at uh, who, the guy that might actually be your best player. <laughs> you know, Malcolm Butler might end up at the end of this year being one of the best players back there. But we just haven't gotten to see him. So it's that, it's that unknown. It's that, you know, who really is he that keeps you from sort of saying something too crazy. Uh, but at the other spot, you have Terrell Brown. who's played a ton of football in the league. And it, the thing that, again, makes him kind of a question mark on the back end is we didn't get to see a lot of him. 
but he's played a ton of good football at San Francisco. And then the year with the Raiders, he's just a 31 year old guy who had uh, had a, or a 30 30 year old guy, I believe, that had a had a foot injury. So we ain't gonna see a lot of him in camp. So when you don't get to see it, you don't know. Uh, so uh, yeah, I, I think it's definitely a question mark, but I don't think it's a concern. And that like, hey, the guys who are back there can't play, and we just don't know what we've got. I think those are good players. I think you can definitely win with those, no question. It's just, you know, we're gonna you'll feel better about it after you've seen a month or two of it. Uh, on the front end and that front seven ish thing, I, I think it's I think it's probably the strength of this team when this is all said and done is that linebacker unit. Um, I think that group of uh, Dante Hightower, Gerard Mayo, and Jamie Collins, just that little that little trifecta there might be one of the best combinations in all of football. And they're just kind of growing up at the at the right time together. Mayo's the oldest of the group, obviously, but those other two guys are hitting right in that third or fourth year where you really start to see guys blossom, really start to figure it out and put it all together. So if those three can stay healthy together, they've got guys that can get sacks from off the ball, can make disruptive plays, cause turnovers. Uh, They'll be great. So I think the one guy that I had like a real positive vibe about coming coming out of the preseason, doing all the broadcasts with, with the team there, was Dominique Easley. I went into the year kind of not knowing much. You know, last year he just was, had very limited action, still looked a little limited from the knee injuries he's had, had another knee injury, rehabbed through it, held him out for parts of camp this year. But the times I saw him, he looks different. He looks different than a lot of the guys out there. He looks like his University of Florida highlight tape stuff. He can be in the backfield, play after play, being disruptive, and that's something the team hasn't had for a while. So that's that's the guy that, you know, if you had concerns back there, um, and, and I don't, but if – you know, if that comes to fruition, if there's some rough secondary play for a few weeks as they try to get things together, I think they're going to be very disruptive up front with easily with Chandler Jones fresh and ready to roll, with Rob Nankovich, with Jabal Sheard, with all these new faces. I think Malcolm Brown just has to come in, the new rookie of first-round draft pick, just has to come in and be stable. I don't think he has to be in the backfield every play. I think he's in a do-your-job, learn-your-craft kind of first year, much like Vince Wilfork had when he came in and you know, just sort of acclimated himself, was a was a part-time player with Keith Trailer uh, still here. So Malcolm's kind of in a, in a situation where just bring him up to speed, and there's really playmakers all around him. So I would agree with the assessment that that front seven might actually be the strength of the D. All right, and, and with the secondary, I, I hope you're right with that. I do, because uh, obviously the names, we talked about them losing, but I, I hope you're right, and, and we'll find out uh, sooner rather than later, I think. But Finally, Matt, to, to close this out, and, and I don't know if you're much of a prediction guy, but you, so you don't have to get too descriptive if you don't want, but the, the division is much improved, all right, yeah. with the teams around us. Maybe not at the quarterback position, but at some other important positions. Did the Pats win the division? Yeah, I mean, I don't. there's nothing that would tell you that has changed until we see them play games. But, I, you know, I, I don't think the, the, the paper realities would really change my mind because what inevitably has to happen is they have to play and win. Patriots have shown the ability to do that. Now, this is an entirely new team. I think when you want to talk about closing gaps on paper, yeah, the first thing you look to is, is the quarterback. I, I'm really interested, in, and I think it's an exciting time if you're a Buffalo Bills fan, to look at Tyrod Taylor. He looked really good at times in the preseason, and you know it's not—it's not like they went out and drafted a Teddy Bridgewater or you know or, or someone in that sort of vein that everyone had their eye on and everyone wanted and now to have or Mariota or something like that. But they found a guy who'd been sitting in the wings waiting, who might be a pretty good player. He might be, and I, I'm not trying to jump the gun here too much, but he's the one guy in the division who could really change minds if he plays at a high level. Wow, that really just changes everything because they got a great defense up there. 
uh, in Buffalo. But the one thing that, again, they're, they're, they have their, their version of unknowns just like the Patriots do. Sammy Watkins, who they traded up for, everybody in the NFL wanted that guy come out of Clemson. He was very explosive, but he's been nicked up. And that, that Bills group has had a lot of wide receivers, Robert Woods, uh, I think Marquise Goodwin. A lot of those guys have been injured throughout camp. So as much as they've had games, they've had losses and have their own question marks. So that's really something that has marked the entire division. I mean, who the hell knows what's going on in New York? I mean, they've really made some nice additions too, but they're nicked up as well. I mean, they lost their, their first-round tight end, second-round tight end from a year ago. The quarterback situation, the guy's got a broken jaw. So <laughs> we just don't know what's going to happen. I mean, but that's why the NFL is so fun. We get to watch the games and, and let it all flesh out. If you don't know, I think at this point the safe bet is always the hedge on the pads. Yep, and the safe bet for these other teams when they come to Gillette is bring their own sports drinks because you never know how, how warm <laughs> the ones you're going to get are going to be. Guys, make sure you go to footballbyfootball.com, Football Insight by Football Players, and check out the Football by Football podcast on their website or at blogtalkradio.com. He is Matt Chatham. Matt, thanks a lot. Great stuff as always, and we'll talk to you soon, all right? No worries. Take care, Danny. Bye-bye. All right, great stuff right there from Matt Chatham. Again, former New England Patriots linebacker, three-time Super Bowl a champion. Before I give you my picks on this division, how the division's going to go, who's going to win the division, what the Patriots' uh, record is going to be, and what the result of tonight's game is going to be. Just a couple quick notes here on some things that are newsworthy, football-related, and just to sort of, uh, you know, you got to, as much as I hate talking about the Flake 8, there are some things that, that, that really, as someone who's been so upset about the way Deflategate had gone for the last seven months, up until Brady got his suspension revoked, obviously that was a great day when Tom Brady, when Judge Richard Berman put the hammer down on Roger Goodell and said, you know, you know what, Brady's going to play this season. You know, as much as I hated talking about Deflategate, there are some stories that you do need to mention, and there's two of them here real quick before I get back to the game tonight. Uh, the Patriots have reportedly asked the NFL to reinstate John Jastrzemski and Jim McNally. Uh, The question is, then, you know, is Roger Goodell telling the truth? And the answer is, of course he was not telling the truth. Roger Goodell said, even the other day on the radio with Mike and Mike, that the NFL never made the Patriots suspend these guys. But when you go back to what Troy Vincent said way back, he said that, or the, the NFL, right, in, in what was it, a letter or an email that we read that got leaked somehow, something that we read said from the NFL that said Jastrzemski and McNally could not be reinstated unless they got league approval. So the Patriots are now asking the league, they're trying to get league approval to reinstate Jastrzemski and McNally. And the question I have is, and it's the same question that Adam Schefter apparently asked today on ESPN Radio, is that, if the league didn't suspend McNally and Jastrzemski, and this was just the Patriots doing, why would the Patriots need to be asking the league and going to the NFL to get the okay from them to reinstate them, right? So, Goodell's a liar. We know that. The, the league obviously put the gun to the Patriots' head, and that's what happened. Much like the NFL put the gun to ESPN and Sports Illustrator's heads uh, this week, for, for putting together those two smear campaign stories. You know, it's just, it's much of the same here. Bunch of lying from the National Football League. And, you know, not only, but, but I'm, you know, I'm not completely letting ESPN and, and the media outlets off the hook because ESPN has put Mike Reese in a terrible position. Okay. Terrible position. 
And Mike, if you don't know Mike Reese, a great reporter. He's one of the best in the biz. He came from the Boston Globe, covered the Patriots. Now he covers the Patriots for ESPN Boston. And, you know, ESPN has been crushing the Patriots, right? They've been taking the side of the NFL throughout this whole thing. Uh, But Mike Reese has tried to be fair and balanced, and I think for the most part, that's what he's been. He's also tried to use common sense, which for the most part, nobody else at ESPN or in the NFL has tried to use. But uh, first things first, the other day they put words in Mike Reese's mouth, putting his name, picture, and byline over a story that said Tom Brady apologized to the NFL on Friday night. First of all, that never happened. So they made the story up. Second of all, Mike Reese never said that, never wrote that. And he even clarified it on Twitter. He said, my name and face was put over that, and that's wrong. Someone else wrote that. That wasn't me. So you get that. And, but they also now put him in a terrible position because Mike Reese wrote a story. Okay, Mike Reese put together a story on ESPN Boston that responds to the allegations and the paranoia around the NFL, you know, this this widespread idea around the league that that NFL teams think they're getting spied on by the Patriots at all times when they play the Patriots, leading up to that game, right? That's a Sports Illustrated story, and it gives all these examples. Again, not facts, just assumptions, and ultimately just paranoia around the league. Mike Reese tries to clarify a couple things in that story. Um, and here's what he, here's what he says. Uh, here's one of his points. He says, quote, security is extremely tight throughout Gillette Stadium. I don't think too many people, if any, are casually walking into the visitor's locker room. And let's just say they are. Who leaves play sheets around behind? End quote. That's what Mike Reese said. And he's right. Who leaves play sheets around? Second, so you, if you're leaving play sheets around, you probably deserve to get them stolen. Second of all, it's pretty impossible to, to break into that, given the amount of security that is going on at Gillette Stadium. Um, ESPN included that in the original version of the article. It is now gone, that little comment from Mike Reese. And here's what ESPN had to say about the changes. They say, quote, the story was given a tighter edit after its initial posting. They're calling it a tighter edit. How is that a tight? What does that have to do with the tighter edit? Tighter edit is maybe, you know, the wording of this sentence, of this paragraph. You know, maybe an apostrophe there, a comma there, right? Um, No. Singular, plural. No, that, that would be a tighter edit. This, you took the whole fucking thing out. Not only did they take that out, here's another thing they took out from the original version, from Mike Reese. Quote, when you're at the top, everyone likes to bring you down. A longtime sportscaster with a deep history in Boston relayed this thought to me that resonated. They used to say the same stuff about Red Auerbach. End quote. That's coming from Mike Reese. That's another thing that was taken out in this story. So ESPN, once again, up to no good, basically shows the NFL running ESPN, right? Another example of that. But they have put Mike Reese in a terrible spot. And it's a shame because out of all the people that they have reporting at ESPN, Mike Reese is, if he's not the best they have, he is one of the he's top three. And, 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 you know, they put him in a tough spot from, begin, from the beginning here, okay? 
Because everybody in that locker room knows that Mike Reese is an ESPN guy. And I would, I, I think that the Patriots, you know, they're not too happy with the way ESPN has reported throughout this whole process. It, they, they've put Mike Reese in a terrible spot. And ESPN continues to do it, which is mind-boggling to me. Because if he's not the best they have, he's top three in Bristol, okay? So ESPN needs to figure it out. But um, perhaps helping figure that out is moving on to actual football, and that is what we have tonight. The Patriots, Steelers, here's my pick for tonight in this game. It is the Patriots going to win 30-17. to 17. So as a seven-point favorite, I think you got to take the Pats. I would stay away from the over-under. I really would. Over-under as of right now, as of this afternoon, is 52.5. I'd stay away from it. Even though I'm telling you it's going to be 30-17, to 17, and if you add that up, uh, the Patriots win 30-17. to 17. It's only 47. It's the under. You know, give or take a couple uh, a couple bad defensive plays early, here early in the season. Yeah, the field's going to be sloppy. They're saying we're going to get a, a, some rain. You know, I, whenever I hear something like that, I, I stay away from the over-under. I know some people see rain or inclement weather, and they think to themselves, oh, definitely the under. There's also this whole idea that weathermen can be wrong, and that's just maybe that's a paranoia on my part. But I'm I'm always I'm always under the belief that you know things can change, and the weathermen actually have no control of that. They're just relaying what they think is going to happen, and I'm just relaying to you what I think is going to happen. It's thirty to seventeen. I'd stay away from the over under, but I would go Patriots minus seven. I think they cover that because I think they win by at least ten. I'll go with Patriots 30, Steelers 17, Brady has three touchdowns, Guskowski with three field goals, and the Patriots win tonight. Week one at Gillette, opening the season, raising the banner before the game. And um, then you get into your whole, well, what are the Patriots going to do in the regular season? Like, what is this thing going to look like? What is the AFC East going to look like? And, you know, when I get into my full season predictions, which will be on tomorrow's podcast, you'll... Hear me give my prediction for the Patriots in the AFC East. And first and foremost, I think the Patriots are going to go 12-4 and this season. And they're going to win the division again. Patriots are going to win the AFC East. That is the way I see this thing going down. But when I look at their schedule, I see a Patriots team that's going to go 12-4. and Sure, they have issues in the secondary. But in the past, look, they've succeeded with issues in the secondary. I mean, 2011, they went to the Super Bowl. Julian Edelman... One of their top wide receivers right now, you know, going into that Super Bowl in that AFC Championship, he Edelman was a guy making big plays in the secondary as a defensive back. So don't you? One thing you can't do. As much as I love Revis and I love Browner, and I think the Patriots secondary is gonna have issues throughout the season, and they're not gonna look as good. But you know, you, what the Patriots have proven is they have this next man up approach that works. It works. You might, you might hate to go there. You might think I'm sipping the Kool-Aid, but they've proven it works. And they have had some bad-looking secondaries in the past, and they've still been able to win the division with it and even get to the Super Bowl with it. So I think they'll do some things to, to fix. Um, you know, they're never going to replace Revis, and I don't think they're going to replace Browner. But I think Malcolm Butler is going to be good enough to go along with an improved front seven uh, that that that's gonna get to the quarterback a little bit more. Um, I I do think the Patriots are gonna have enough defensively 
I mean, they're going to be back to bend, but don't break. And uh, they'll win 12 games to go along with a very motivated Tom Brady. You know, LaFell's on the PUP. Brian Stork is the more concerning injury to me. He's on designated injured reserve, which means that, what, he can't come. What, Stork won't be able to come back until week nine. He won't be able to play week nine against the Redskins, right? But So you're going to have to figure out the offensive line. But much like I told you last year, when they had that debacle against Kansas City on Monday night and the offensive line looked terrible, I told you, you can fix that. Like, you can fix the offensive line, given the personnel that you have. And it might take a couple weeks, right? And you're going to see your issues at times throughout the season. But you can certainly fix. The offensive line issues are a fixable thing. And the Patriots, once again, proved last year that that you can fix that. So the things that the Patriots have problems with, they have proven to be able to overcome those issues as long as Belichick's running the show and as long as Tom Brady is under center. Patriots go 12-4. and four. They win the division again. I think their losses come, uh, one of them comes real early. I think they lose week two at Buffalo. Buffalo's an improved team. They got one of the top, they'll have one of the top defenses in the league this year. And... I do think that this is a game on the road. You got to look at it this way. You got to think that the Patriots are going to lose at least one. Every year, I give them at least one divisional loss on the road. So what what is it going to be? Is it going to be at New York in Week 16 against the Jets or at Miami in Week 17 against Miami? No, I don't think so. I think it comes at Buffalo in Week 2. I do. There'll be early issues here with the Patriots' offensive line. There'll be some early defensive issues right? Uh, and, and these AFC East games are always tough games. So I, I, I'm, I'm going to give Buffalo that week two game. So Patriots lose week two. Then I think they lose week five coming off the bye week in Dallas. I think Dallas, Dallas could have a special season this year. I do believe that. It's Sunday night football. I know what people say following a bye week. You know, you give Bill Belichick extra time to prepare for a team. He's going to come out guns blazing and you're going to have even more in an advantage. Okay, you're on the road, though. You're playing the NFC East this year. It's a tough Dallas team. I think it's going to be one of the better teams in the National Football League this year. Uh, It's still early enough in the season where the Patriots are going to have some of their issues on the offensive line still. I think they lose that fourth game. And I think you're looking at the Patriots beginning the season at 2-2 and once again, like they did last year. And then I think they go from that uh, Sunday game at Dallas in Week 5 to Indianapolis in week six with a 2-2 two and two record on Sunday night football. And I think they beat the Colts by 65 points. And I think it's much of the same from what you saw last year when they went, lost to Kansas City, and then beat up on the Bengals, right? You're going to get people questioning the Patriots. They're going to question the offensive line stuff. They're going to question getting rid of Revis, Browner. All that stuff is going to be said. Okay, we're going to go through it all once again. And then the Patriots will crush Indy. And then they'll beat the Jets in Week 7. I think Thursday night, though, the shortened week, Halloween, uh, October 29th, Thursday night, at home against Miami. I'm going to give Miami that game. I'm going to give Miami that game. I think Patriots lose Week 8 against Miami. Uh, Then they'll beat up on the Redskins. And they'll lose again Week 12 in Denver, Sunday Night Football. Uh, it's, it's going to be a tough Denver team. Once again, you go to Denver. That's a tough. That's going to be a tough place to, to play, a tough game to win. You'll lose a close one there in Denver, and those are your four losses. Do you lose week two in Buffalo? Patriots will lose week five at Dallas. 
uh, you'll lose week eight at home against Miami, and you'll lose week 12 in Denver. I, I don't think that's crazy. You lose one divisional game on the road. You lose one game all season at home. You lose two uh, on the two other ones on the road against one of the better teams in the NFL, the Dallas Cowboys in Dallas, and against the Denver team that, you know, is going to always give you a tough fight regardless of where that game's played, but also it's in a tough place to play like Denver. So I don't think 12-4 and four is, is crazy, and those are the losses. Week 2, Week 5, Week 8, and Week 12. So here's my Patriots prediction. What do they do? What do I think they do in the playoffs? What do I think they do? Uh, do they make it to the Super Bowl in San Francisco, Super Bowl 50? I'll give my season predictions on tomorrow's show. But they win tonight, 30-17. to 17, Take Patriots as a 7-point favorite at home against the Steelers. Uh, stay away from the over-under. Tomorrow, picks, picks, five games with the spread every Friday for the upcoming NFL weekend. I will close the show out with this. Tom Brady today on his Facebook page had a little message. It says, on to the next one. Hashtag, let's go. And he has a video pumping you up for tonight's game. Okay? And at the end of this video, it's audio from Tom Brady. I play that audio for you right now. Enjoy the game, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. I had a equipment manager in college. I mean, he had been at Michigan for 25 years or so. He's got so many Big Ten rings. I mean, he doesn't have enough fingers for all the rings he's got. And he said, you know what, Tom, you know what my favorite ring is? And I said, which one's that? And he goes, the next one. And I, that's what I think, the next one.